And welcome back to Fully Equip. Jonathan Wall here, joined as always by my dudes, Andrew Tursky, Chris McCormick. We got a lot to get to this week, fellas. We got topics today. I'm excited. Topics. For topics for days. Let's do it. <laughs> so it's interesting. We, we, we were about to start this podcast, and I kind of had a, a pretty good idea of what we were going to discuss. And then the span of maybe 20 minutes right before I hit record, we get some, we get some fun ones. Everything some really hit fun the fan. ones. Last like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. So as we're recording, Rory McElroy has gone through the press center, gave an interview after last week. He didn't have he didn't have a great week. He finished T forty three at the Northern Trust. Um, you know, not really much to write home about. But I want to talk about what transpired on the ninth hole. So Rory hits his tee shot, and I'm, I'm looking at shot link here. The ninth hole is par four, and he hits his tee shot 260. That's what he had to the hole. He hit it 213 into the, into the intermediate rough. Not a great look off the tee. So what does he do? He chucks his three wood <laughs> into the woods. And so you're thinking, all right, you know, pro he's ticked he doesn't have to worry about going out and buying another club he's going to get another one so Rory talked about this week at the BMW about having to do some three-wood testing and he mentions in his press conference that he threw the three-wood which he claims and we're going to debunk this he said he claims that he threw it he threw his three-wood onto the New Jersey turnpike off the ninth (laughs) hole well that's not correct because the Jersey turnpike he would have to have had uh I mean, like Ben Paul Bunyan and you know, like chucked it onto the Jersey Turnpike. So you, you can't do that from nine. But he mentioned that he thinks the three wood is still in there somewhere in the woods. So got me thinking, where is it? I posted something on Twitter, a pin drop location. Tercy's trying to get his buddies to figure this one out. Maybe somebody can find the lost three wood. Should we have him on the pod if somebody who follows fully equipped finds this three wood? A hundred percent. Absolutely. I want to hear that scavenger hunt adventure story. And you have to add the, the military component to it, Jay Wall. You got to give them all the information. We we gotta get it's into no this. It's no easy part of task it. here. It is not. So <clears throat> if you want to try and find this three wood, and, and I will say Rory has a history of throwing clubs. I think it was like 2013, 2014 around there when he helicoptered the three iron into the water at Doral. He threw and that one far enough to get to the NJ turnpike, he, and they weren't even in New Jersey. <laughs> and Trump had somebody go in there and retrieve it, had one of the scuba divers go in and retrieve it and give it back to Rory. I think it was give it back to him the next year. Anyway, and I, I saw back in 2020 he's had a similar – he, he's, he's totally cool with just giving away free clubs. But this was really the first time where I, it was like he openly was telling people, hey, look, I think it's still somewhere in those trees. But if you want to go look for it, it so I'm looking here on, on Google Maps. I see a pin here for the U.S. Army Department. Now, I don't really know if I want to go messing around on a dirt road on the backside of something that says U.S. Army Department. What about you? You just got to be careful of the snipers, but someone has to go get this through. <laughs> I, I got a, I got a text out to some of my buddies that live in Jersey City. I mean, it's just a scavenger hunt. Let's see who can find it first. 
I hope someone that I know finds it though, so we can get our hands on the club, get them on the pod, get the story. I, I if nothing else, open market value of that golf club, especially knowing that Rory took it and threw it while in play in a PGA event, threw it over the fence. I mean, what would that go for on eBay or any type, any kind of open market? What do you guys think? Well, how do you turn it into an NFT? That's that's what oh. you really need to know. <laughs> Everything has to be an NFT these days. Has to. If they had video of of Rory chucking it into the woods, that would make for a pretty good NFT to go along with this golf club. I, you know, I say maybe like a thousand bucks, fifteen hundred. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that much. You'd have to get him to sign it, I think. Yeah. Um, you definitely need photo proof to go along with it. I don't know. Definitely more than like retail price on the on the club. If it was at yeah, a major, would, would like think. the Masters, right? And if you went on to win or something like that, yeah. If you like magically won the tournament, yeah. Then of course that's you know probably a five figure golf club there. But for you know just chucking a, a misbehaving three wood into the woods, maybe maybe what event was it? Fifteen hundred bucks. What event was it earlier this year that Rory snap hooked a three wood and ended up costing him? Either the event or really top finishing seed. And you could literally hit it anywhere right. I don't remember what event it was. He snapped it off at the Wells Fargo. They were playing uh, Quail Hollow. I think he had a two-stroke lead. Then he ended up having to take a drop because the score yes. was so severe. The lie was so bad. He did end up winning, though. You went, I mean, because, that shot that he hit was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, that I approach. I know. Yeah, that oh, yeah. was the that was the three wood also just snapped it left off the planet all the room in the world right and left she goes. And it was like the announcer kiss of death too. Oh, he can really hit this anywhere he wants as long as it doesn't go left. <laughs> you the toe hook from hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love how hot Rory runs sometimes. <clears throat> oh, it's great. He seems like such a chill guy. He is such a chill guy, and then like something will just set him off, and then all of a sudden the club's broken, helicoptering through the air on the on the New Jersey Turnpike. It's great. He gets fired up. It's the passion. I've had those moments. Those moments where I mean, I'm I'm a pretty I'm a pretty even keel guy, but I I have gotten royally pissed at my golf clubs a few times. Most of the time, it's just the the good old helicopter usually does it. You feel like you feel like that's enough to teach the golf club a lesson. I haven't, I haven't broken. I've broken one golf club in my life. I, I'm not. I'm not a club breaker. What about you guys? I've broken a couple, but what I, mean, I what I was 10. just <laughs> broken a couple. I mean, those days are long gone. But back in the competitive days, I mean, you know, used to run a little hot. You three, you three put enough times from five feet for birdie. I mean, something's like a regular happen. thing. Like something's gonna happen. But Rory should have. Uh, he should have dumped the club in the Hudson. I've watched enough mob, mo- mob movies in the New Jersey area to know that's where the bodies belong. Not, nobody would have <laughs> so, ever so found in it. the river, not on the turnpike. Come on. Nobody ever would have found it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, just just to clear clear that up for people looking, don't listen to Rory. Don't go traipsing around along the side of the Jersey Turnpike looking for a three wood. You, you gotta go. Ave. Yeah, you gotta go off Chapel Ave. There's a dirt road back there, kind of back around the next to the tea box there's a row of trees go in there find a three wood hit us up on social media at fully equipped golf and at fully underscore equipped on twitter and we would love to have you on the podcast they make for a great interview that'd be fantastic (laughs) 
Now that you tweeted out the pin, there's going to be so many people at that spot looking. I hope someone's so. I want I want, I want pod, Before we're done recording this pod, someone's going to tweet at you that they found it. 100%. I want pandemonium. For sure. That'd be awesome. I'd love it. We we have to have the live update if you get any any replies there, Jaywall. Man, if I if I lived anywhere close to there, I would I would go out there, hundred percent. Absolutely, oh, I'd be there right yeah, now. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd be recording yeah, I'd be, this pod from that spot. I was just gonna say I would be live on location with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Reporting live from Chap Lab. We're here with Rory's Threewood. Oh man, well. Rory Threewood definitely tops any of the other stories that we're going to get this week. And and like I said, hopefully somebody finds it. But I'd say a, a solid like 1A. Did you guys see these Cinnamon Toast Crunch, these Colin Morikawa head covers? They were they were kind of inspired by his favorite cereal that TaylorMade's releasing. These things are phenomenal. He's had the Cinnamon Toast Crunch uh, stamping on his wedge for years. That's Finally, right. they made a head cover, and they are fire. They're so, so cool. Yeah, they're uh, they're releasing covers, a ball marker, and a towel that are going to go on sale. So the podcast drops every Thursday. So if you're listening to this and you want to try and have a shot at these covers and the ball marker and the towel, they're going to go on sale today at 7 p.m. Eastern. So. And Keep they will an be gone out. at 701. I was going to say, they're <laughs> yeah. going to go so quick. So descri- <clears throat> describe them, Tursky. I mean, you've seen them. What do they look like? Hold on. Let me bring out the picture real quick. They, like, turn them into a, a little cartoon. Yeah, so it's the – if you, like, look at a, the box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch, they have these little, like, cartoon squares, like the Cinnamon Toast Crunch squares, and they all are making, you know, funny faces. So they took those little cartoons and they turned them into the head covers. It's amazing. With like brown leather and the kind of the orange on them. Yeah, the that, orange stripes through Yeah, them. the orange stripes. Yeah. I'm looking at them right now. Yeah, I got, they're the, so good. got the teeth there. Yeah, they're great. So we, we, know, we know the head covers are fire, but I want to know what's your top three cereal rankings. Before before we get into it real quick, I just have a question. So so what do they do? They partner with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Is there like, yeah? How does they that partnered work? with Cinnamon Toast Crunch on this. Yeah, I There's guess like they got like the okay. You would think, you would think that there definitely would be, or they okay. you know, or they pay Cinnamon Toast Crunch to use the the name and likeness of those little caricatures. Okay. Are, are they guess. selling these on TaylorMade's website? Yeah, they're gonna be on TaylorMade's website. You gonna Ooh. get one, Chris? Chris is gonna. I mean, I mean, I might need one. Judging by that I, face, it looks like he's ready to go. Yeah. You, you got to get. He's one. got the credit card out already. I'm, I'm bookmarking. I'm, I'm setting an <laughs> alarm. Ready to go. We're gonna go fast. I have, I have a feeling. All right. So are we doing top three cereals here? Yeah, I want to know top three cereal. Well, I'm not gonna lie. Like my favorite cereal is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. It's a top. Oh. It's a top one cereal. Not just because we're talking about it right now, but like, have you ever tasted the milk after eating Cinnamon Toast Crunch? There we go. It's it's a diabetic drink. Tough to beat. <laughs> so that's an easy one. Am I just gonna go through my whole list, or are we gonna go around? Yeah, just give me just give me your top three. Okay. Two. I think people will probably call me a square for this, but Honey Bunches of Oats, just such a nice go-to. 
Wow. Okay. That's that's a like terrible... a that's like an everyday type cereal, and then cinnamon toast crunch is like what you eat on Saturday or Sunday as your cheat cereal. You know. Man, I eat cinnamon toast crunch every day. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, no cheat cereal. Not in any sort of diet. Continue. And then number three. Man, this is tough. I I kind of wish I had more time to prepare. But lately, <laughs> I, lately I've been on. Uh, obviously, I like cinnamon a lot. But Life cereal, they have the cinnamon Ooh, version. It is. I didn't eat okay, that growing up, underrated. so it's not even. It's not like even it. a nostalgic thing. It's something I started yeah. eating like a year and a half, two years ago. Um, I think I was reading like a Reddit thread or something on the best or the most <laughs> underrated cereals, and I somebody I said some life. Of those up. Yeah, someone said Life cinnamon. Amazing. Life changing. Uh, that's funny. No life pun intended. Good. Life changing. Yeah. Life is it, great when you're oh eating life gosh. cinnamon. Tursky's looking for a sponsorship deal. Maybe we can get one for the, for the podcast. Life cereal for I, listening. Come sponsor the pod. Tursky I'll put will a life on my shirt. Yeah. I'm a, big, out, I'm a, a big supporter one. of life. That that needs to be in the uh, the merch lineup. Yes. And fully, to put that in there. Fully equipped, sponsored by Life Cinnamon Cereal. Gosh. Works for me, but it's not my third. Even, it's we're not even fifteen minutes into this though. podcast, and it's oh, just already. Yeah, we are off the rails, but that's fine. This is a regular thing for us. All right, so those are your three, Chris. What do you got? Oh, I I would just like to say that I am a cereal aholic, and I'm not ashamed of it at all. My all my there. food groups would uh, would include soup and cereal for the majority of my meals uh, up until very recently. Uh, <laughs> if I had to run down top three, I, I'm throwing lucky charms up there. Number one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, just full kid status. I'm almost 40 years old. Lucky charms hold the, the number one spot for me. And then the other two, not quite as exciting, uh, which would be, uh, raisin brand crunch and honey nut Cheerios, but honorable mention is frosted flakes. And then a seasonal cereal that uh, I really look forward to every year is Frankenberry. Don't know if you guys have ever experienced Frankenberry, but those are savvy picks. It's pretty phenomenal. You just gave us like twenty cereals. I thought this was the top three, but fair enough. Fair enough. You don't you don't want to see what my kitchen looks like. It's it's a little embarrassing. Oh man. It's just those cereal dispenser containers. like Yeah, people come over and like, how many kids do you have? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, about that. None. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my top three, you you guys already stole my top two. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, undisputed number one. Number two, Lucky Charms. Man, that that one definitely brings me back to being a kid, although I, I pretty much still am a kid. Uh, and number three would be Captain Crunch. Love Captain Crunch, Captain solid, Crunch. Yeah. classic. Yeah. So those those are my top three. You can't really go wrong with any like sugary cereal. I I have to admit I've probably had them all. I think recently we've been on a little bit of a Fruit Loops kick here at the at the Wall household. <laughs> what about Apple Jacks? Kids are loving the Fruit Jacks. Uh, I don't really know if we've done a ton of Apple Jacks. Well, we've we've done it we've done it a couple times. The the one that always gets blown through the the fastest is Lucky Charms. That yeah. it's and the kids usually like have that crazy sugar high and then the crash and it's never good. So, what's your um, technique for eating Lucky Charms? Like, do you go marshmallows first and the bran, or I just I go, I go I go for both. I used to just pick the marshmallows out of the box when I was a kid, 
and yeah. just be left with a giant tummy ache and then <laughs> nothing but the, the brand cereal in there. And it was a massive letdown anytime you tried to go pour a bowl. But yeah, now it's just like every, all of it. I mean, I it usually, all once. I'm not picking it out. I usually eat around the marshmallows. So I get the last few bites. Save the best for last. Pure marshmallow. Mm. You can respect that. Mm. You can respect that. I also, have, uh, sneaky good, the, the marshmallow dust at the end when you're like, Pouring out the last, the last little bit from the box. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. The marshmallow dust is is sneaky good. You could you could probably get a little little bump with that thing if you if you wanted to. Just do a little sure. little marshmallow bump. Why not? Hundred percent. Why not? I would just <laughs> like to give uh, just a quick <laughs> shout out. Just a quick shout out to Golden Grams. Oh. I don't know if you guys have ever had Golden Grams. Yes, it's really I'm a special yes. treat type thing. It's not something I could pound every day. But cookie man, crisp tastes good. Mm. Ooh, uh, cookie crisp. Ooh. Right, cookie yes. crisp, so good. Uh, yeah, cookie crisp was great. Uh, Count Chocula. We could probably just do an entire podcast on cereal. See, I have a feeling. Count Chocula also is in the same family as the Booberry and Frankenberry. Yeah. It's the whole holiday thing, That's and I've, it is yeah. the season, which made me think of it. I've got four boxes in my kitchen, right? <laughs> four boxes. Guys, you gotta stock boxes. up on it. You don't have four uh, boxes, right? You now. gotta stock up on it. It was on sale at Fry's. <laughs> next podcast, I, I want I Chris to have just... his four boxes of blueberry sitting next to him. Oh, it's Frankenberry. It's the Sorry, pink Frankenberry. One. My apologies. Strawberry flavor. Yikes! Easy. Oh, we are All so right. far off topic. Tricks, here. tricks, and Reese's <laughs> Puffs aren't bad either. Cereals are just care. popping in my head now. Yeah, I, I need a bowl of cereal. I am hungry. I've not had lunch yet, so. I'm, Let's I'm, just wrap I'm, it up. I'm, might be getting a little bit hangry. Yeah, we'll just we'll just call it good <laughs> after after that. Eighteen. Roy throws a three wood and cereal. Uh, wrap it up. See you next week. Yeah. Next Producer pod Martin we got to do uh, we got to do on course golf course snacks. Top five. We don't have to do it this week. We've already spent enough time on food. <laughs> cereal. But let's mark it's... let's mark that down for next week. All right. Let's do it. Mark that down. Cool. Put a pen in it. There is there is one item that I will say that I never really liked and then somebody put me onto it on course snack now it's a go-to i'll have to admit that i uh i was wrong about it we'll do that next week um all right second topic so i was texting with some of the tour reps wednesday's usually a pretty good day to to reach out to the tour reps that are out there especially when turski and i aren't aren't on the road um turski was out at northern trust i'll actually be in atlanta next week for the tour championship so get some on-site reporting, but I was reaching out to some guys trying to see what was going on at Caves Valley, the course that's hosting the BMW Championship this week. Kent Notes, friend of the pod, pink tour rep, he sends back to me a text and he goes, yeah, actually Cam Champ is testing a 15 degree ping tour I-500 long iron. And I'm like, all right, cool. It's a course dependent golf club. Cam has some crazy speed, and I asked Ken, I'm like, hey, man, you got to send me some numbers. I, I want to see how far Cam Champ, who's one of the longest guys in, in pro golf, how far can Cam Champ hit a 15-degree ping tour I-500 long iron? So he sends me a screenshot of the numbers. I posted them on Twitter, <coughs> at Jonathan R. Wall, if you want to check them out. Cam Champ's numbers are as follows. 117-mile-an-hour club speed. 176 mile an hour ball speed. Sick. 
just under 3,000 spin, which equates to 292 yards of carry, 316 total with a long iron. And that's a low bullet, too. Yeah, like 35 degrees on the landing angle. Launching, it, yeah, launching it at 7. Yeah, launching it at 7. Uh, good point. That's I, I, I said it when I, when I posted the numbers. It, those numbers make me want to quit golf. Yep. <laughs> I mean, that's I, higher know, than the PGA Tour average off the tee for, like, ball speed. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, I-500 is, is an interesting golf club because it looks like, for those who, who haven't played it before, the, the long irons actually are pretty – they kind of look butter knifey. I mean, really thin top line, thin sole. I mean, would you agree, Tursky? It's 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 definitely not your like typical progression for as much forgiveness as that's packed into this club. I would think that there would be a little bit more beef to it. it it's it shades towards thinner. It's got a svelte profile. Yeah, I think it just looks clean. I wouldn't say like I'm intimidated by it when I'm putting it down. You know, it's not like you're looking at literally a two iron that's a blade. It's got it's got enough to where it's got top enough line, to where I feel pretty thin. I would feel confident that I would make contact with the ball. Well, for sure, yeah, you would. But I'm just I'm just saying, like, yeah. With when I'm looking down at that, I'm trying to think of you know, forgiving long irons is is what I kind of think about as one that I'd throw in my bag. <coughs> like that one definitely has. You know, a thin, it's thinner, but it, it it goes forever. That that face, it's it's a hollow cavity club. I mean, it's it's like a it is like a rocket ship. I remember the first time I tested it at Ping, and it's not anything new. You know, I five hundred's been around for for a little while now, but it's still still popular out on tour. I'm kind of curious to see what Ping comes out with in uh in, as a replacement to this because I five hundred has been really good, really good. Are you surprised there hasn't been a replacement already? No. Because How many you, years I mean, has it been? I feel like it's been so long now. It feels like it's been like at least three like three years. Yeah, I was going to say either uh, 2018 or even 2017. Say, iBlade was out there for a long time, though. They're just now phasing that out. That's So 2018 was mid, mid uh, middle of the year 2018 was when i500 was, was released. But as, as Chris just nailed, I was going to say the same thing. You look at iBlade. I mean, iBlade was in the rotation for five years. So Ping is Ping is not known for going to a regular cadence, especially when it comes to those, you know, I would kind of consider them to be more like the better player stuff. I mean, that usually stays in the rotation for longer. Game improvement, you know, you might see it kind of come and go a little bit more more frequently. But yeah, the the that's why it's like now that now that uh I-59's out there. And it, it just it just embargo lifted on that this week. I mean, I fifty nine I would imagine is probably going to be around for a while. And we'll touch on that a little bit here. Um, just kind of discussing some of the new releases this week because there were a couple of of ping releases. But um, yeah, I just wanted to point out those numbers. They're stupid. I mean, I don't really even know what else to say. The average golfer really can't glean much from that because we not, nobody really has cam champ speed. It's just. It's crazy to, to look at them and to realize that there are golfers out there that can do that with a club. Yep. I mean, Fina has that type of speed, but he doesn't use it, which is crazy to me. Not crazy. I understand why he does it, but well, it's just yeah, cool, he was just it's talking cool about to know that he has that much left in the tank. I mean, 
those yeah. uh, the videos of him taking like a full backswing are recirculating on Twitter right now, and it's it's just cool to watch. Yeah, it is. It is really cool to watch. But um, I think it's just another reminder. We don't have that speed in the tank. Never will. And just be be happy where you're at. That's that's my advice right there. Be happy where you're at with your game. I'm telling I'm telling that I'm saying that out loud for myself because really I am inside. I'm like dying a little bit when I when I see numbers. That are, <laughs> that's that deep, high. Jay Wall. Yeah. Acceptance yeah, of where your game's at is yeah. is Acceptance. big to the enjoyment of a round. Uh huh. If yeah. you're expecting yeah. 74, you're gonna be upset <laughs> when you shoot 84. But if you're expecting 84, then you're just having a good day out there. Oh man. Confucius, Confucius Tursky, <laughs> with the words of wisdom for for today. Um, all right, next next topic. This this is another fun one. There were some fun ones this week. I, you know, Rory was great. Cinnamon Toast Crunch was good. Cam Champ, Justin Thomas, getting a little bit of a a pep talk, or maybe just a kick in the butt from a fifteen year old junior golfer. <laughs> this is this is this is great. So JT has a. American Junior Golf Association, AJGA, for those of you that played out there during junior days. He sponsors a tournament in Kentucky. And he was talking about, he switched putters. He switched back to his, his Phantom X 5.5. It's the putter that actually inspired a, a, basically an exact replica of JT's putter. And it just so happened that JT, when he was in Kentucky, wasn't using his old putter. He was kind of in between putters. He was using a long neck version. And it just so happens that this kid who's there for the tournament, who also is coached by his dad, Mike Thomas, who's also Justin's coach, um, just started peppering him with questions about this putter. And JT was recalling, he's like, you know, he keeps asking JT, are you, are you still using the putter? Are you, are you going to ever use it again? Are you using the long neck? And JT said, I was like, yeah, I am. He's like, as that he's still using the long neck. And I was kind of explaining it. And I'm just like, well, he's asking me when I'm going to go back and use the old putter. And he says that he found himself defending himself to this 15-year-old about why he wasn't using <laughs> his, his old game or his old Phantom X 5.5. But this is the cool part. So JT says, I was like, why am I not using this thing? I've had a lot of success. It's not like I'm making a lot of putts with, with what I have. If you're putting well, any of us can go out and putt with anything. I don't know. It kind of hit me. I'm like, the kid's got a point. They designed a putter <laughs> after it. Maybe I should bring it out. When I brought it out, it looked good. It felt good. Again, a lot of familiar feelings with it. I mean, we've, we've talked about this one recently. There have been a lot of guys that have been going back to, to familiar feels um, James Pyatt, the, the kid who won the USAM, we were talking about the garbage putter on a recent pod. Yeah, again, it's, it's just, it's just cool to see that like JT actually took what this 15 year old kid was saying to heart and is like, you know what, dude, you're right. I should probably go back to this putter. They designed one <laughs> like based off of my 5.5. I'm just going to go back to it. And he actually had a pretty good week with the putter. I respect this kid so much for just chirping JT endlessly about the putter. Like <laughs> yes. he kept hammering him with questions about it, and J- JT's just talking himself out of uh, using the new putter. But I'm um, yeah, we see this all the time. It's like it's kind of rare to have a guy who's had so much success with a putter move away from the putter and find more success. Like he always ends up coming back. 
We saw yeah. it with Tiger I, all the time. I, I can't give better when he put his his real wand back in. I can't give any credit to this kid. You you know what the real power lies in. I mean, you already know where I'm going. Jay Wall. Oh, I do. Yep. Come on. Here it comes. Time out closet. Come on. Time out closet, baby. Where's my shirt? <laughs> I had people reach out to me on social after we talked about getting merch who openly said that they would buy merch if we if we put it in a if we put it in the pro shop. Just throwing it out I mean, there. We need something out there and it it should be timeout closet related. We need a good design. Oh, for sure. We need the design. Someone we need somebody. A little yeah. Design in there. Somebody needs to design our timeout closet. I'll we wear it. Some graphic design talent. Hit us up in the DMs with your design. We'll put the top three on our Instagram and put it to a fan vote. Whoever wins will make the shirt. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Producer Mark, like put that put that on paper somewhere. That needs Clip to it. happen. Producer Mark is probably swimming in his pool right now as we're recording this. Yeah, he's not listening to us. <laughs> he's not. Li- he's not listening. <laughs> he tuned. He tuned way out after the cereal segment. Yeah, so, the cereal segment. He's out. Yeah. So anyway, congrats to this kid. So if JT goes on to win the FedEx Cup, he's got to give this kid a shout out. Yeah, and probably like two percent of his winnings too. This fifteen-year-old is going to be set. <laughs> <laughs> the kid's gonna be on the payroll for sure it's gonna be the new the new putting guru for for jt i mean um, seriously you know a little something for the effort yeah. for the kid I, so that happens and next week every tour player gets their their dms just blowing up with every kid out there chirping them about something <laughs> no that kid's gonna something. be the new like uh putting coach out there everyone's gonna be <laughs> who was who was hit, the 15 year old up like what do you think about the putter that i'm playing though who was the young guy, the young kid who was who was the instructor, like the hot instructor for a while? Can't remember who. And he was, I mean, he wasn't that old. He was like in his like early twenties, I think. Remember I do remember was. what you're talking about. Yeah, I don't remember yeah. who he coached though, or his name, obviously. Yeah, I thought he coached a couple of, of big names. It'll it'll come to me. I I'll think that was a, a few years research. ago, right? So yeah, it was. It was. It, it wasn't like, like recently. Now he's like older. Yeah. Yeah, I think, but I think I was, I thought it was like maybe four or five years ago. Anyway, neither here nor there. Next topic. This one is interesting. So John Rahm went to the Ely Cowley Performance Center prior to Memphis. And he did a little work and it was supposed to be shaft and driver related. And in typical pro fashion, you know, those guys love to hit wedges. I mean, you, you watch you watch pros they'll spend so much time around the greens if you let them I mean they just they have fun doing that because they hit all kinds of different shots and you know it's it's all about the creativity out there on tour so Rom's hitting the new jaws full toe lob wedge and he had done some motion capture work with his coach Dave Phillips and they kind of just wanted to see if they could find a lob wedge for for Rom out of this new Jaws full toe. So Kellen Watson, Callaway Tour up. We just had Kellen and Jacob Davidson from Callaway on the pod. Tursky talked to them. Last was last week's pod. Yep. Um, last week, anyway, for like an hour. We did touch on yeah. Rom a little bit. If you want to so, go back So Kellen said that they had a couple leftover wedges at, at ECPC and they were already built to Rom specs. And they had an inkling that he may love the full toe because of the versatility. So Kellen said, after we chatted about where the bounce was that he wanted, we took measurements of his 56 degree 
that he commented is perfect on every shot. Now, this is interesting because this is not a 60 degree that we're talking about. They're trying to, to replicate. They're trying to replicate it to, to the 56 degree. So Rom says the 56 is perfect for every shot. And Kellen said that we found that he uses a lot of the midsole located heel word lined up with the first weight porthole. His 56 degree had about 14.25 degrees of balance in that location. His gamer 60 degree, which was a Jaws forged, had 12.25 degrees. And the 58 degree full toe, they bent a 58 to 60, and it had 16.25. And that adding adding that additional bounce in for this wedge was all he needed. But I, Chris, I do find it interesting that for Rom, they they were trying to rep. I mean, this is something that I've never heard before. Replicating it to try and mimic the bounce on a 56 versus like fixating on what he's using in his current 60 and trying to find a way to make it better. No, it, it's definitely interesting. Not something that you would really consider orthodox by any means, but I mean, those guys, when they get a certain feel and trying to replicate that feel, I mean, you look at so many of the OEMs that are, looking at 3D printing and looking at milled clubs versus forged clubs just to get replicas and creating identical angles and uh, basically identical clones of club heads for these guys so that they can reproduce what it is that they like. So it's not, it's not crazy to me, but it's definitely unorthodox that they would go the route of manipulating different clubs to get to that 56 feel that he liked. It's just weird. Cause he probably uses that 56 way differently than he uses a 60. Yeah. You would think, you know, 56 typically club face is going to be square 60, probably open it up more for those weirder shots around the greens. But hey, oh, yeah, if, just if Rom likes the feel of it. Rom's going to get a, get a 60 that replicates that feel. Yeah. How he's cambering that club. I mean, you would think would be totally different between the 56 and the 60, but and that's and that's what I'm saying is yeah. is you know replicating it to to get closer to your 56 than your 60. I mean that that was an interesting one to me. But again, Rom is Rom is a Spaniard. He's cut from the same cloth. We've seen him around the greens. He's he, the, very Seve esque, and I don't just use that. I don't want to throw out that term just because Seve was you know in my opinion, the greatest wedge player. I mean, Tiger was phenomenal, but Seve could do stuff with, with a wedge in his hands that you just simply didn't think was possible. I know Phil's up there too, but it is, you see him manipulate the golf club. And we've, have you seen the videos of him hitting like three wood out of a, bu- or three iron out of a bunker? Yeah. He just I mean, opens the face of just the opens four the face iron up. and yeah. flops it like a 60. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, other guys, it's crazy. other guys can't do that. That's so, impressive. Yeah, it is. But it, anyway, that was that was what got me was just you normally don't see pros, average golfers do anything like that. I mean, if if you're trying to work on your 60, you're trying to look at your current 60, not your 56. But hey, he's a guy that I'm sure uses that 56 a lot. If it's perfect on every shot, you probably want to try and find a way to get that 60 uh, to have a similar feel so it's as versatile <laughs> as as your 56. For the most part, Chris, when guys fit into wedges, they're getting a different grind from their 56 to their 60, right? Like, say it's a Mokey or a Callaway, like the lettering. The, yeah, I mean, the generalities, 
would say that they would be different because most players are going to use those wedges for different feels, different shot types, different you know, turf interaction based upon what types of shots they hit. So yeah, most players are going to have a little different grind, a little different sole configuration, different bounce, just because of what those wedges are used for. So it's yeah, it's not everybody, but just generally speaking, yeah, they're going to be a little different. Generally speaking, you want more bounce on your 60? It, a lot depends on what types of shots you hit. If you're somebody that cambers it down and throws that leading edge into the ground and likes to hit those you know, lower shots, if you're somebody that's very handsy with their release, likes to hit the higher, softer shots, a lot also depends on ball position that you play your wedges in, uh, turf conditions that you play in, if it's you know firm and fast or if it's going to be more soft and fluffy. And there's, there's just so many variables that go into it. Conditions, a big one. And then also just how you release it, types of shots you like to hit. Though it's not just as easy as saying more bounce in a 60. I mean, if you look at the way that most of the companies build their wedge configurations, they typically take bounce away from you as you get into those 58 and 60 plus degree wedges. What if you're a guy who likes to use the leading edge and uh, you tend to get a little handsy and you tend to chunk the ball? Just asking for a friend here. Just asking for a friend? Yeah, just just a friend. Maybe you like slightly have the yips, but like only sometimes. To just I I would I would tell your friend that maybe he should look at like a Callaway shirt out or uh, or something along those lines. Okay, I think, okay, I think, I'll, I think I'll that friend him. has a lefty shirt out in there. If uh, I don't if, know, if I have maybe, to ask him. I haven't talked to him a little bit. Just maybe you could even invest in a chipper. <laughs> I, th- I feel like my friend might be offended with that advice, but. I, hey, thank you. Hey, no, no ego, no ego. If it if it helps to lower the scores and get you closer to the pin, I mean, let's play it. That's what we talk about on this pod, right? That's what <laughs> I lower preach. those scores. Get the ego out of it. Play I saw. I think I saw your friend hitting a lot of putters from off the green at Bannon Dunes. Maybe, a lot maybe of putters. That's, maybe that's why he was hitting those putters. Yeah. Not not feeling too. I wasn't going to say anything. Games. It's it's like it's the opposite of like not talking about a no hitter, but it was one of those situations where it's like I just don't want to talk to don't want to talk to your friend about it. <laughs> just couldn't do hey, it. Ter- hey Tersky, you use a lot of putters out there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. that, it's a, it's a Texas like, uh, We're not gonna mention your friend's name on this podcast. Gonna, that ground out of it. That ground was firm out there though. It Seriously, ch- chipping around there is a little dicey. See, that's where that wide sole chipper or that, that good old share out comes into play. No, I didn't. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have the shirt out with me. I, you did, you had a I mean, my friend. One. I mean, my friend. Your friend had a left-handed one in the bag. You know, the uh, the seven wood I just there. Brought the putter out. Seven wood also would have been definitely playable off the greens, off those tight lies there. He doesn't have That's a seven true. wood. He's got a nine wood and a thirteen. Okay, but no seven. Well, the thirteen wood would have been on money. Team seven wood. I'm on. I'm on Team 11 Wood. Team 11, 11 Wood. 11 Wood would have been even better. <clears throat> Man. Yeah, good. Okay. Well, speaking of, of Fairway Woods, Dustin Johnson had a couple of them in the bag last week. No driver. This story is crazy, too. All these stories yeah, this week. I know. This is, a, this is a crazy story. So DJ's teeing off on Thursday at the Northern Trust. And he's taking a look down at his driver as he's on the range, getting ready to go to the first tee. You notice there's a crack in the face. Driver's mm. done. Ouch. 
terrible feeling, probably even worse when, when golf is your livelihood and you don't have a backup driver with you. How does he not have one? He plays like, he'll go day to day using different models. Like if there's I, one guy who definitely has a backup with him, I thought it was going to be DJ. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. That was the one part of this story that blew me away was like, wait, you don't have a driver, but you have, he had, so he didn't have a driver, but he had a 14 and a half degree tailor-made Sim 2 Max 3 wood. And he has 17 putters probably in his trunk too. <laughs> well, at least. you can't, at you least. can't trade all those putters in for a driver. Apparently, um, he did get a driver for Friday, but because he didn't have it, he had to tee off with a five wood, a five wood that he can carry 285. I, I feel terrible for the guy. And then he's got the three wood, but he did admit that it was kind of interesting playing with three wood and five wood and no driver. He said the wind was whipping a little bit and made it made a difference. He had to take a couple extra clubs into the hole, but he still finished this. And again, this is kind of like the cam champ one where I'm just like, I kind of throw my hands up. DJ without driver still ranked 53rd in driving distance <laughs> on that on Thursday at 300 yards. Without that's got to hurt. That's got to hurt <laughs> if you finish behind DJ. So, so they, they asked him, they said, uh, like, what would he, would he say to the other 70 plus guys behind him? And he said, I don't know. You can ask them. Ask I him love, that. I love his answers to the media. Yeah. Like he keeps he doesn't, it so he doesn't real. Care. Yeah. No, he doesn't care at all. It's yeah. great. But it, it, I don't really know very many guys. Cam Champ would be one of them. I would say, I don't know very many that would still be able to average 300 yards without a driver at a tour event. It's pretty damn impressive. Although he did miss the cut, so was it wasn't all roses for DJ? Yeah, so I guess not that impressive. Yeah, he did yeah. miss the cut. Yeah, that's that's uh, one of those where you where you pound a drive and then and chili dip the approach shot. And you just turn around and go, nice drive. <laughs> <laughs> he did switch putters last week, by the way. If you're wondering, I saw him not, on not I saw surprising. him on Tuesday. He only had one putter in the bag, and it was the blade. And I thought for sure he was going to use that this week. I almost tweeted something about it, like DJ's committing to the blade this week. Nope. Nope. Not, not, not going to happen. Uh, so, yeah, so there's that. A couple of things I wanted to point out that we have up on the website. One of them is a new series that we've released this week called Proving Ground, where Tursky and I are going to take the latest and greatest gear and put it through its paces. But not just testing it, we're going to look at the parts of the technology and the claims from the manufacturers and see if they see if they check out. So this week, I posted a story on golf.com about some testing I did with TaylorMade's new MG3 wedges. You know, one of the, the key pieces of tech that we've talked about is the raised micro ribs. It's these, you know, little raised ridges in between the grooves that are designed to add 200 RPMs of spin on shots from 40 yards and in. So went and tested it. I won't give away everything. Go t- go check out the story. Went on that. We'll just tease it a little bit. But I will say that the numbers were pretty impressive for one yardage in particular. I tested it from 20 and 40. One of them was an eye popper. I think we got a little uh, super hybrid test coming up. Or should I not I give say, it away? Tease it. Why not? We're going to do a little Callaway Epic super hybrid test. See how that goes. We're going to, we're going to test against one club in particular, I think is, I think is how we're going to do it. I, I think they're going to be close based on the tech that that super hybrid has. I'm super excited to see. 
Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, I also have uh, a Bettinardi Kucher right hand arm lock putter on the way. UNLKD did a great UNLKD did a great job on that story talking about this reverse arm lock. I think it's I think it's ridiculous, but after reading the story, I'm like, eh, maybe some people could benefit from that. I need Having to try it. it. Might be good. I you just, gotta you gotta I try. Simply it. need to try it. I've been putting terrible, so let's switch yeah. it up. You have been putting terrible. I, I, hey, I will agree with that. Don't agree. come on now. Kersky, my phone's on. We can we can help you with some putting stuff. I know you keep texting me to play golf and I'm not, not around too. Man. Like every, like literally every time. Quintero. Every tomorrow? time. Sorry. Not there. Wickenburg ranch. No, can't do it. All right. <laughs> we'll get it done. I'm around next couple weeks. Let's get out. You can give me a little putting lesson. Maybe I'll have a right hand arm lock putter. You can make fun of me a little bit. And then I am, I'm heading to Florida this week, but Next weekend, next weekend, we have got to get out and play Wickenburg Ranch. For those of us oh, that live in weekend, Arizona. Next weekend, yeah. can't do it. Not around next weekend. Just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Next weekend, let's get in the books. We can oh. live stream it to our followers. Oh, Buddy, for, for those of us that live in Arizona, it is hands down one of my favorite golf courses that you can get out and play. It's, it's a little bit of a drive. Oh, you haven't been to Wickenburg? Nope. Shane, Shane Bacon, buddy of mine. Most people know Shane Bacon. Is that former, a name drop? Uh, yeah. For, former no ace guy who recently got a hole in one. Now I hate him. Uh, he's, uh, he's always sung the praises of Wickenburg. You did what? I fit Shane for his clubs. You did? <laughs> Look how small of a world this is. Small it world is. here. Yeah. He, he loves, he loves Wickenburg. Always talks about it. So it's dude. It's one of my favorites in the state for sure. Yeah. Shane's kind of a player, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's a kind of a player, as in like he's a plus handicap. So and and very uh, very modest about it too, or at least he was yeah. when uh, when we were doing his he's fitting. He's like, about it, yeah, yeah. He was he was very kind of under the radar. Like, yeah, if I went and played this guy, he would school me. <laughs> yeah, he's stupid, stupid long, kind of kind of like Cam Champ. He's actually like tour long. It's it's crazy. So, um, did you guys see any of Finau's win? saw a little bit i was on the road to be fair but i was fo- i was following along as much as i could keeping up with Tursky twitter drove all the way back from jersey it's a long trip man right. at least at least you have a car that works now Holy but smokes. yeah i was talking with uh chris i did stop kansas city picked up some gates barbecue sauce to go nice so oh buddy nothing but gates barbecue sauce for the next like two months put it on the cinnamon toast chris? crunch and thank me later I bought so many bottles of this. I'll uh, I'll give you a little bottle if you want one. Did Did you hear me? I said put it on the cinnamon toast crunch and thank me later. Are you serious? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was what, thinking. Where, in my head, where like, is this podcast even going? <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, I was following along with Finau. I think we all know how the last like five years have gone with him in contention. So I think we were all kind of, you know, hoping for the best, expecting the worst. And he just shut everyone up. It was awesome. Came home 30, super clutch up and down on uh, 18 in regulation. Cam Smith waves by to one on the first playoff hole. And Finau takes home the trophy. Nicest guy on tour. So 
Couldn't happen to a better dude. I think the whole golf world was kind of pulling for Fino there. He did it with a ping putter, which I was yeah. I thought was a, a pretty big story. He switched finally. I mean, that's I, I kind of wrote a little bit about this just on social media, but you know, when Finau signed that deal in 2018, Ping didn't make putter part of the agreement, and and that was that was that went against everything that they had ever done as far as their tour con- contracts were concerned. Putter was always part of those contracts, but. They wanted Finau, so they decided to make an exception, and look what happens. He doesn't use their putter for years, finally gets into one, and he wins. I mean, that's if that's not validation for you, I don't know what is. You do have a story about it, about the uh, switch from Peretti to Ping on golf.com. I read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually said that that the way that Finau putted when he put, he put in an answer 2D. The D stands for deep. And uh, so more of like a wide body blade. But when he put it in play at the 3M, he was 10th in, in strokes gained putting that week. It was like plus five and change. And I uh, remember writing something about the, the promising improvements kind of was a, a sign that maybe his second tour title was just around the corner. So there we go. Nice. I, I know. I think, one, you had a line right. in, I think you had a line in there. You're like, yeah. if, you, if he wins, it could be due to the putter. Yeah. So, like Finau has the putter going in the pol- the the gold putter vault now. Jay, well, did you find out? Did you get confirmation from uh, our friends at Ping if the if the garbage putter's going in? Is it going in the vault? I have not. I need to do that. We gotta hit oh. them up because I'm, yeah, I'm I going know. over there. I've got. It's only like I'm talking to. I'm going over there. Well, I'm talking to Marty tomorrow. Marty Jertson. We're gonna okay. yeah. get Marty on the pod. He's got something really cool to talk about. Let's just tease it now. Um. We probably I don't even know if we should tease the other interview we did this week, Tursky. I think we All-timer. gotta tease it a little bit. Like oh, it was, man. I'm telling you, it was the best interview ever. Yeah, it was awesome. We uh we had we had a former three time NBA champion who, oh by the way, played with MJ during the first three peat, reach out to us on social and say, Hey, I've Got a set of MJ's clubs that I've uh, kept in my possession. He gave them to me when I when we were teammates. And it just so happens we had Scott Williams, 15-year NBA vet on the pod. We spent what do you think what do you think the ratio was? I was I'm guessing it's probably about two thirds we spoke about the Bulls and MJ. The other one third was about golf. He is a golf nut. I'm honestly proud of us that we got any golf talk in at all. Yeah, because when he was going off about NBA players and teams and the different stadiums you went to man just such a fun podcast if you like uh early 90s mid 90s basketball this is the one i don't know when we're putting it out but he told he told some phenomenal stories too i just and i was like i kind of had like a permanent grin as he's telling some of them it was so cool so we got some good interviews coming up marty uh scott williams got a few others still in the can which is always nice as we're uh, kind of going into a quieter time of the year. But the only other one that I wanted to point out was Ping dropping the I-59s. As we, as we mentioned, iBlade has now been replaced five years later. I-59, I'm excited to try these. Have you? Have either one of you guys hit these yet? I haven't tried uh, them, no, we've I have got seen them in hand. Yeah, yeah we've got them over at TrueSpec. I yeah, haven't had a chance look, to hit them yet. They look so good. Uh, Victor Hovland already has at least like a half set of these in the bag in addition to the in addition to iBlade. 
but this this is a cool design. You know, I think a lot of people were wondering, you know, was Ping going to a, is there going to be solid construction? Because they still have the weight uh, screw in the toe. Were they going to be like I-500 and, and be hollow cavity? Uh, you know, no, they, they have a really cool construction. I won't get into it too much, but one of the things that I did find interesting about this is that new aluminum core that's housed inside the head. So by adding aluminum inside this head, aluminum is one third the density of traditional stainless steel. So by adding that aluminum core inside the head, they were able to redistribute around 30 grams of weight within the head concealing it so you, you don't really see where this weight's being distributed and that's going to improve the trajectory and make this golf club more forgiving without having to increase the overall footprint. Um, aluminum's not really a material we've heard a whole lot about in in the club space but now we're kind of starting to see it make an appearance in in inventive ways like this to, to save weight and kind of reposition it. I Again, I'm excited to try these. I'm hoping that maybe they kind of fit in my handicap range a little bit, maybe, <laughs> hopefully. We'll find out. But it, it, it's an exciting launch, I know, for Ping to go along with their uh, Glide Forge Pro Wedges, a couple of new grinds there, and, you know, much smaller, more compact profile, which I think a lot of the better players are going to appreciate. But of, of the two, I-59, definitely the one that I think a lot of people were talking about this week. Yeah, they use aluminum a lot in putters, just like uh, they do, just like with this design. You know, try to save weight where you don't want it so you can make other parts heavier where you do want it. It was kind of only a matter of time until they, they figured out a way to get aluminum into iron heads. Um, these engineers are so smart. You know, if there's somewhere to save weight, they're going to find it. Absolutely. It always amazes me they continue to make things more forgiving without doing it with size. You know, none of us want to play huge clunky irons, but they're able to save weight and make smaller clubs more forgiving. Yeah, for sure. And that's always a good thing for those of us that are still wanting to play smaller profile irons, but don't want to go up in size. You can still get that forgiveness. So I think this is a good chance to close out tour topics for the week, get into this week's interview. We talked about Tursky's time up in Boston, testing his gamer against Tiger's putter and a couple other iconic designs. But you had a chance to talk to Ryan Carey from Golden Age. Tursky, how was that? He is such a nice and knowledgeable guy, and he had some of the coolest putters ever with him. Um, so we got to know him pretty well. We did talk about your Jordan card collection a little bit. He talked about we don't his even need Jordan, to get into that. He talked about his Jordan card collection. I but, love uh, it. Yeah, so he went through how he really got his hands on the Tiger backup putter, what he thinks it's going to sell for, um, some of the other stuff that he has up on the auction site right now. That it's is closing out this weekend. Yeah, closing out this weekend, so I'm going to keep my eye on that. And this is just a really fun interview. If you guys are kind of merchandise heads like we are, um, you're definitely going to enjoy this interview. So let's get into that now. Before we get to our interview with Ryan Carey, we want to remind you this episode is brought to you by GlobalGolf.com, your online destination for the best selection of new and pre-owned clubs, tech, apparel, bags, shoes, and more. Their industry-leading try, trade, and buy program will help you play your best for less. Test equipment, rangefinders, and GPS units for up to two weeks with Global Golf's You Try program. Take advantage of their proprietary trade-in and get top dollar for your equipment. Higher trade-in values means more cash to upgrade. Plus, save 10% on qualifying products with promo code GOLF10. 
That's G-O-L-F-T-E-N. Try, trade, and buy only at globalgolf.com. Promo code GOLF10. All right, fully equipped listeners. And we got some viewers here. We got the cameras going. Uh, I basically just went through an amusement park for golf clubs. I'm here at True Spec Golf in Boston with Ryan Carey from Golden Age Golf Auctions. Ryan, you just brought through some of the most special putters in history that you were auctioning off on Golden Age. Um, kind of go through what we're looking at right here in the bag. All right, we'll go with the oldest first. We, we went with a club right around 1895, 1900, uh, wooden putter uh, made in Carnoustie, Scotland, Robert Simpson. Uh, looks like a hybrid, looks like a modern day hybrid. It does. That's what you noticed. Um, soft feel. Super soft feel, uh, cool club. You, you, I told you before, like you could put this in your bag tomorrow and, and putt just fine with it. Uh, it works. Uh, next, chronologically, we had uh, Bobby Jones's Calamity Jane. Now, one of the most one, famous putters in history right there. Absolutely. It was old when Bobby Jones, it was a couple decades old when Bobby Jones purchased it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now iconic because he won the Grand Slam with it and everything. And this club, this is a production model one that they sold to the public in the 1930s. It was incredibly popular at the time. Uh, has a really cool pyrotone shaft where, you know, they're doing that transition from steel to wood shafted to steel. And people didn't like the look of steel, even though we all agreed that it was better. Uh, so they, for a little short period of time, uh, 1930s, they put like a brown film over the shaft. So I've always loved that about that putter. And uh, Bobby Jones couldn't sell those putters until he retired from golf. So he wins the Grand Slam, 1930, retires from golf, then he starts cashing in, he does this Warner Brothers deal, does that video series, they actually played them in movie theaters, that video series, uh, and that's also when Spalding signed the deal with him. Made a ton of money, sold a ton of those, and that's the Calamity Jane. Uh, next up, we got the putter that started Ping. So this is Carson Solheim in his garage, making a putter, it made a loud noise, he called the company Ping. I gotta get it's, this putter It's out like a tuning fork, you've heard like a tuning fork, whatever, it's awesome. I don't yeah. know if you'll be able to hear that on the podcast, but it is high-pitched, and I hit some putts with it, and it feels different than anything I've ever felt in my life. Yeah, it's crazy, because this was revolutionary at the time. Yep. And, but it's got a weird sound, and the feel is not what you and I would want in a putter feel, but Carson had this idea, and obviously, you know, shortly thereafter, he made the Anzer putter and stuff, which changed golf history in terms of putters and clubs, and uh, just some, some cool stuff, and, and this is the one that started it all. It's called the No Model. Uh, he made several other putters at the same time, uh, but this is the one that has a true ping sound. Others make a little bit of one. This one's like a tuning fork. It's really cool. Uh, then you've got this monstrosity. You've got Jack in 86 uh, using a McGregor respo- response putter. To Actually signed by Jack on the face. Yeah, I, did, I only had an autographed one in the auction. We put with it anyways. The autograph's still there. I think we're good to go. But uh, this one, I mean, you don't even have to be much of a golfer to know that this is uh, an... Uh, just an abnormal shape, uh, but it worked for one week and it, it changed history. And so that was a really, really famous putter there. Uh, and then of course, we went with Tiger Woods's backup gamer, Scotty Cameron, made from him probably in 2002. Uh, Tiger famously didn't put it in play, only use the one that he still has for 14 of his 15 majors. So I know we talked about this already, but what is, the backup actually mean and where did it come from? Like, what's the story behind it and how it got into your hands? Yeah, so backup, you know, when you hear the word backup, some people think like, what is that? He Mm -hmm. he didn't use it then or whatever. Well, Scotty Cameron has made lots of putters for Tiger. Uh, Nike made putters for Tiger. Other companies made putters for Tiger. But Scotty Cameron famously made Tiger's, you know, red dot circle T that we all know. It doesn't have the circle T on that one, I guess, but the head cover does. 
famously takes the weight out, fills it in with red, mm -hmm. cherry apple red, and becomes iconic. Well, Scotty Cameron, like I'm sure with all of his players, would make them other putters. Sometimes they were identical, sometimes they were slightly different, but intended to be the backup should anything happen to the original. Should the, the gamer could be damaged, it could, Tiger wants to try something slightly different. And so uh, legend has it that Scotty Cameron, those early years when they were working together with Tiger, that he would make one or two a year, and that would be the backup, should it ever need to be called into duty. Now, almost any other golf around the planet, they did call in their backup. Tiger never did. And so it's kind of become this, this famous putter because of it, that the backup is more desirable in collectors' minds. Mm -hmm. It's more valuable than even putters that Tiger's used, other than that red dot. And then, of course, the 97 Masters putter would also be pretty special. But Tiger still has those, he'll never sell them. The backup is the next best thing. I was a bit nervous hitting putts with it, even just carrying it around and you know, us handing it off to each other. I was trying to be extra careful mm -hmm. because I know the value is pretty high on this. Um, what do you think it's gonna auction off for? Uh, it'll definitely sell for over $100,000. It'll definitely be in the six figures. Um, we don't know. It is, it is the true piece that transcends even golf. Uh, we'll have people that are, maybe they're baseball card collectors. Um, maybe they're, they're, they collect other sports. If they want to own one golf piece, it's probably going to be this. Mm -hmm. So I think from this era of golf, the Red Dot Scotty Cameron will be kind of the, we call it the modern relic. It's like the modern grail that it's going to be the one collected that this putter we know 100 years from now will be collected. Will people still want autographed flags? Will they still want this other stuff? Maybe, maybe not they will want this putter. I think it's gonna be the, the one piece that comes out of the modern game that's kinda of gonna define the era as, as far as a collectible. Would you say this is the most valuable collectible that you've had at Golden Age? Uh, no, we've been fortunate to sell quite a few uh, Masters trophies and other items. Uh, people love their trophies. Uh, in our last auction, we had a Masters trophy that sold for over a half million dollars. Oh man. So there are more valuable pieces. With that said, from an investment standpoint, um, I asked a Scotty Cameron collector the other day, very prominent one, uh, whether this putter will one day, I don't care if it's a year from now or 10 years from now, will this putter one day sell for over a million dollars? And he said 100%. Wow. What do you think Tiger's actual putter that he won 14 majors with, if that hit the auction block, what do you think? So a couple years ago, I was asked that same question, and my answer at the time was three to five million dollars. Um, I am absolutely wrong, and it's way more than that. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds low. It's, 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 it's a lot of money. The, the memorabilia market, especially in the top end, has gone crazy. Uh, just the other day, uh, Honus Wagner baseball card sold for over $6 million, setting the new baseball record, which I believe gets set about every month now. Um, so if that one were to, it, it would be among the most valuable pieces of memorabilia in existence. It's baseball and everything. It would rival all of them. Uh, the only thing... I can think of in golf that could surpass it. This is a little wild, but Alan Shepard's club that he hit on the moon. Ooh. How about this? There's two golf balls on the moon. <sighs> I never even thought about that. Exactly. They're there. I believe they've both been located. We know exactly where they are. Someone will have them one day. Someone will get them. Uh, will those be worth more? Possibly. So when you talk about the, uh, the Masters trophies and all sorts of this unique memorabilia, what's like a typical way that you guys even get the product to auction off? Like, how so, does it work? Yeah, it really depends. I mean, uh, a lot of people assume it's, it's you know, a player dies, passes away, maybe their family gives it to us. And, and while that happens, that's more rare. A lot of this stuff 
has been out there. It has been in collections, especially any of the older stuff. And you know, we've kind of created this marketplace where people can buy and sell this stuff. So even if it's a unique $200 item, it's not all the really expensive stuff, but that unique $200 item, but has a cool piece of golf history, um, we're gonna be the marketplace that you're gonna sell that. We're gonna be the auction. And you know, eBay's not as great for something like that. Instead, you go find a golf-centric marketplace like us where that's who we reach. We reach the guys that you know, geek out on golf like, like we both do. And you said uh, you don't do a lot of auctions per year, only like three to, to four? Correct, yeah. Uh, I kind of believe in making it a special event. Uh, I don't want to be the the 24-hour you know one-stop shop for all things golf. We've kind of created this you know really kind of fanatical uh, base of people that a lot of times they don't even know when our auctions are going to be. Um, they've kind of figured it out uh, what we do, but we will you know send a, an email blast out and post on social media basically, hey, we're back, we've got an auction, and until then there's been no auction preview. You don't know uh, what we have. And uh, though I did let the tiger putter out a couple days early, um, but then it becomes a fun thing where everyone shows up and, and whatever your collecting interests are, it's fun to see whether we have something that you like. Uh, we have 800 or 1,000 lots in the auction. Some will be $25, some will be $25,000, and it's all competitive bidding. So it's, it's up to the bidders to decide what they're worth, and we just put them up there. And so it becomes a fun thing. Uh, we have a website that is, you know, we don't track the stickiness of it, how long people stay on it, but uh, it's quite long because people that even if they're not going to buy anything like to read about the history, read about the cool items. I'll let you plug it real quick. What's the website called? No, uh, it's Golden Age Golf Auctions, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's got an auction going right now, and uh, you know, something for everybody, whether it's a Father's Day gift or whether it's something to you know that you'll hold on to and cherish yourself forever. Uh, we got you know some cool stuff. So you are the co-founder. How did you get involved with this, and when? I just love golf, and I love golf history. Uh, we started the company uh, 16 years ago. At the time, we were called Green Jacket Auctions, uh, and we changed that name a couple years ago. We uh, have always been doing the same thing. Our, our first auction looked kind of similar to now, just the items weren't as expensive. We didn't have as many. We didn't have as many connections, and nobody knew who we were. But we did it. we've done it for like 16 years now, making these special event auctions. And uh, man, it's just fun. I love the stuff on my own. There was no marketplace that was doing this. eBay so buyer beware. Uh, instead, you know, we kind of collect the item, authenticate it, curate it, and then we, we're controlling that and controlling you know, what's out there and, and making sure the information is correct on it. Is that authentication process difficult? Do items get turned away? Do uh, you get fake sometimes? Absolutely, yeah, that's the, uh, that's, that's the, that's the tough part. Um, the, it used to be Tiger Woods autographs. We used to just, you know, you get to the point where we'll pretty much never accept a Tiger Woods autograph and a lot of other autographs unless there's a couple third-party graders that are kind of trusted in the industry, PSA, JSA. Mm -hmm. PSA is the one that slaps cards you might be familiar with. Yep. And so if one of those signs off it, then the industry is accepting that as authentic. Um, is it 100% authentic? No, we're getting it to at least probably a 95% chance it's real there. If it's not authenticated, we, we just won't touch it. And so in the earlier days, you know, with, with Tiger, it was so hot when we started that a lot of auction houses were getting fooled by a lot of fake Tiger stuff, and we just wouldn't do it. And so we just never cut corners in that way and, and make sure we authenticate things. And other items, listen, if it's an old photograph, you find a photography expert to help you. Mm -hmm. um, you, you you've probably all seen Pawn Stars. and Pawn Stars, bring in the expert. Bring in the expert. Yeah. And that's what we do, the same thing. We just do it behind the scenes.
do you ever have items come through where it's like you personally are just like, I need to have that. I'm sorry, I can't auction it. Yes. Like I need to make a bid on yes, this. Yes, absolutely. I, I had uh, for years, I actually sold it, but uh, um, I'll tell you why, but I had a Marion Wicker. Uh, the Wicker Standard, they're their flag. Very you know. cool. Uh, I love flags, and this is like the non-flag flag, and so I always wanted a Marion Wicker. I found a Marion Wicker for a guy that used to work for the old superintendent, um, had it in the corner of my house for years, uh, but it is huge. It is abnormally tall, and the Wicker's on top of it, and of course you gotta go down into the cup a little bit. So in the corner of my room, it's like almost to the ceiling. <laughs> so it, it worked in theory, but I wish it was like four feet shorter. So. Uh, uh, I don't have it anymore, but it went to a good friend of mine that's a collector that was basically begging for it for years, and so that was one item I had to keep, but yeah, all the time. What's been your favorite item that's been up on the site? I know that's like a crazy hard oh, question, man, I, if I, one I, sticks out in your brain where it's like, I'm proud that we had that auctioned on our site. I do love, I do love anything Tiger Woods. I do love anything, the Tiger backup is really special to me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, that's something really special. We had, um, I also like some of the moments that we've been able to help out the, the people that have consigned it to us. Uh, for instance, uh, someone in Augusta, Georgia years ago moved into a, a new house and in the garage were a bunch of old golf clubs, a bunch of old golf bags that were left in the house they purchased and included a bag with, that had General Dwight Eisenhower's name on it. Mm -hmm. And then in the head cover had Augusta National, Dwight Eisenhower, oh, and the clubs were all custom Dwight Eisenhower. And so uh, we don't know how they got there, we don't know why, there was no direct Eisenhower connection that we could find with that house they purchased, but the clubs were 100% legit. And so uh, those are now owned by the USGA and in the USGA Museum. Uh, so it was kind of cool to see that happen. And those people uh, got about half the value of the house they purchased in just those clubs. So it was a cool, cool moment. I got to ask a personal question here. How much Michael Jordan stuff have you gotten? Because <laughs> I'm a huge Jordan guy. I know you got someone. Yeah, so I know you are. I know Jay Wall is. Yeah. Uh, we, we, all, we bond over that for sure. I've got, uh, I only collect Jordan basketball cards from the years he played for the Bulls, which mm -hmm. roughly aligns with when I collected when I was younger. And uh, so up to 1998, I have over 2,000 different of his cards. Uh, so I haven't counted in a while. I've got a nice little spreadsheet going on. It's a serious collection. Uh, it's pretty decent. I don't have a collection like J-Wall. J-Wall's got a pretty serious, he's got the original rookie card. He's I don't know quality. if he wants me talking He's about quality this over quantity. He, like, I, I kind of envy the way he does it. I, I like, want to buy everything. I want to buy every card I don't have. And value-wise, I'm sure my collection is very valuable now because everything's gone up a lot. But J-Wall has like the wow cards. I know. Yeah. He'll send me photos and I'll be like, how did you get that? And he'll be like, well, you know, I was really focused on getting mm -hmm. this card mm -hmm. for a while. And, He's a, plan. Got it. He's a plan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have a plan. I just yeah. let it rip on eBay. I yeah. just start buying stuff up. I'm like, ooh, exactly. <laughs> I like exactly. that card when I was younger. Exactly. So this was such a treasure, such a treat and a pleasure to hit all these putters. Um, I can't believe you let me hit the Tiger back up. Yeah, Were you nervous? I, I don't, see, you had to figure the guy selling it, this is good for him. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not gonna own it anymore. Right. The guy who's going to own it next hasn't even paid for it yet, hasn't even know he's gonna win it yet, might not have bid on it yet, so I feel like I'm in this two week period where I'm allowed to let you hit it. I feel like I have control over that and I hope that nobody gets mad at me for it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it was worth the drive for me. 
Tiger's putter is just so special. Yeah. It feels so soft, it looks so pure, so perfect. It's more pure than the putter he uses himself. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I know, I, I, it's, it's, I mean, I, cool, it's, it's amazing. I, I wonder, we were talking about, has anybody even hit it since maybe Tiger practiced with it at Scotty Cameron's studio, you know, 20 years ago? It's just me and Tiger who hit the putter. Yeah, it's I don't great. know, maybe once it back, I don't know. <laughs> so it's currently up for auction right now? Yes, it is. And how long does that typically Auction last? ends August 28th on Saturday. Um, we'll, get, we'll see some interesting bidding the last day, I think, for it. Um, right now, it's about getting the word out, making people know it's up for auction. Like I said, it's got this cross appeal where I want people that even aren't Scotty Cameron collectors, that aren't Tiger Woods collectors, they would not identify as that, um, but they want to own one of the best modern pieces of golf memorabilia. Well, go on and check it out if you're interested. It's out of my price range, personally, unfortunately. but. I've got some of Michael Jordan cards. Yeah, right. Especially J-Wall's collections, too. Seriously. Those are out of my budget Seriously. range as well. J-Wall, buy it. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Ryan. Absolutely. Really appreciate man. it. Yep. Thanks for having me. All right. And that'll do it for episode 105 of Fully Equipped. Thanks again to Ryan Carey for the time. If you're looking for more gear news, you can find us on social media. We're at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram and at Fully underscore Equipped on Twitter. I always appreciate you listening. We'll see you next week.